0: Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a podcast where we cover every single episode of the TV show Lucifer, while praising the great parts and pointing out the bad parts, and diving deeper than you ever knew you needed. Join us for the climax of the show,
1: if you know what we mean. I'm
0: Lena. And I'm Vera. And this is Season
1: 6. Today, we're talking about episode one, nothing ever changes around here, and we're opening season six more supported than ever, welcoming the newest hidden Catalina and two new believers, Thomas and Leslie. Thank you so much for being there for us. We love having you around. You might even say everything changes around here and we
0: love it. Hey! No, seriously, we are super appreciative. Thank you guys so much and sorry it took so long to give you free your shout out. We are recording ahead of time and so it will be a bit until you hear your shout out. But we still love you and we already let you know. So if you also want to be one of the people we adore mostest in the world, Do join our beautiful Patreon and Discord and send us all your thoughts and feelings and criticism and inputs, because one of our beautiful patrons send me a note that I'm going to reference later in this episode.
1: Ooh, fancy.
0: Yes, because Julie pointed something out that I didn't consider and I'm pretty
1: sure you missed it too. Hmm. Well, let's get to it then. Before we
0: get into the details, let's see the grand picture. What is this episode about? Star's supposed last date on Earth turns into a case and leads Lucifer to the realization that he might need to put in some work before becoming God, while Linda fixes a communication problem between Mace and Eve and Dan is still stuck in hell.
1: Yay! Can you hear the excitement in my voice?
0: I love this episode, but before we go into your segment, the German version this time is so different that I have to read it. The episode is called Decisions. And the description is, In the premiere of the last season, Lucifer and Chloe fight with the status quo of their life after Lucifer's win for the throne of heaven.
1: Just no. Uh, Whatever whatever you say then, Germans. No, they haven't been this off in so
0: long that I had to (laughs) point it out.
1: Fair. They really are doing their own thing in Germany there. Yes, we are! But now, let's talk about the obsession of the week. I had a great obsession for Chloe, but since we're doing Lucifer's obsession, I ended up going with Wonder Date.
0: I had Seeking Wonder, and I'm gonna let this count as the first match of the final season. One out of
1: one! Woo! Go us!
0: I love this. But yes, wonder definitely had to be the obsession.
1: Yeah, it was going to be originally date of wonder. And then I was like, I have to say wonder date. Wonder
0: boy. Sorry. Also, this already puts us ahead. But let's get into the facts and funds, which are extremely short this time. Because all the details that I could have included in this is in a bonus. Because it's my devils in the details. Because it's magic. Third time director Kevin Alejandro comes back in this episode.
1: I love him so much.
0: His previous episode was spoiler alert, which was season 5, episode 8. One more episode to come. Yay! He's Doing such a good job in this one. Absolutely. Ninth time writer Mike Costa. Previous episode was Daniel Spinoza, Naked on the Freight. This is his final writing credit. Oh
1: no. Yeah. Oh no. That made me extremely sad, I have to say. Okay, I'm going to go cry in a corner now. Goodbye. You can finish this by yourself, right? Dry your
0: tears because the title is said by Baileus, which puts Lucifer already at zero out of
1: one lagging behind us. I didn't even notice that the title was said. It's at the very, 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 very end. When Dan says, did you hear that? Yeah, now that you said it was Belize, I'm like, of course, that makes sense. It's not in the
0: IMDb trivia. Usually IMDb has this as well. It's not in the IMDb trivia. But speaking of IMDb, there is something in here and I tried to look it up, but I did not find anything. So this is something that I would put on the question list just to verify. According to IMDb, due to the last-minute renewal of the show, the final act of Lucifer, a chance at a happy ending, was moved to be the opening of this premiere, which would be the driving scene. And that makes zero sense to me.
1: Yeah, that doesn't... what? Because that's... Stupid. I don't believe it. That makes it completely open. Yeah,
0: and so no, I would put it on the question list and if anybody else cares, we see what our patrons say and maybe ask it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Let's put it on the question list because that just genuinely doesn't make sense at all. And that's everything. There's nothing else it's short and sweet as well as my next part is going to be because today's previously on is going to be a slightly different because lucifer gives us a really nice one in the first scene so i just decided to paraphrase that we're not going to include all the characters in this one i'm gonna get back to that in the next episode i just really wanted to keep that together so previously on lucifer Lucifer used to work for the LAPD, crime-solving devil. It was great fun, but that's over now. Since the war, it was at a football stadium a month ago. Fought against his brother and his host of angels for the throne of heaven. It was all very biblical. He won, but not without having to fly to the Silver City to save his girlfriend. Burn up, prove himself he was worthy, stop burning, and, well, yeah, anyway. Long story short, now he's the big man. (laughs)
0: I'm completely losing my shit over
1: here. This was perfection. Where do I love you so much? Right? Right? I could not pass this opportunity oh. up. <laughs>
0: oh my god. I think this was your best one yet because of how you did it. <laughs> oh my god. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, Dry is... your tears. <laughs> I was trying so hard not to make like, all those stupid noises to not distract you. Oh. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful perfection. Thank you. Speaking of the opening scene, let's get into the opening scene that, of course, opens us with a song and I have to say, best song ever.
1: It is on my one of the favorites songs ever list, but I know that you love it dearly. It is, of course, The Passenger by Iggy Pop. And of course, obviously, it is the star of My Devils in the Music. However, we all know that I didn't do it justice, but I tried really, really, really hard, so This is the longest Devils in the Music and most detailed Devil in the Music on the song that I've ever done. You did
0: the song justice. It's just Iggy that I wasn't as satisfied with.
1: You know what? You can do Iggy and Iggy alone. I give you permission to do him (laughs) for the summoning episode. If there is
0: another Iggy pop song coming up, I might consider it. We'll see how it goes or if there's another song slash artist that I want to focus on. Did you notice that this is basically a shot by shot remake of season one episode one the opening This is the same street corner where we end up. It's the Capitol Records building in the background. It's exactly the same corner. The shots are completely identical. The only difference is that in season one, episode one, Lucifer in the beginning is out of focus. You don't see him. You see him in the car, but you can't make out what he looks like. And of course, he has a dark suit and now he has a white suit. And in the beginning, he looked very happy and now he doesn't look that happy. But
1: this brings me to my first note, and that is it feels like this whole season is probably going to be like a little goodbye note from the creators because it's actually bringing us back to the beginning so we can kind of put things in perspective and how all the characters are behaving now compared to the first episode which is excellent
0: it also feels that we are tying up proper loose ends because we now have Officer Dix come back and not just to replay the gag with the the, I was driving too fast and you people like your money or anything no we learn what long-term effect the interaction with Lucifer had on him which is something that we never really dove deep into during the show. There are bits and pieces hinting at it especially on the negative side with the devil face but what happens to the people he draws out the desires of and then basically abandons like his protégés of course are very different when it comes to that but random interactions of which he had many throughout the show. So this is something that I really really appreciated this gives us a potential negative depth on the effect of his powers that we had not seen made aware so i really like what they're doing here but i also feel a bit bad for officer
1: dix i agree no i agree it's it's a bit sad you can see the excitement in or can hear the excitement in his voice but the sadness hidden behind everything he says it it's just kind of there and He seems to be an optimist, which is a good thing, I guess. But I enjoy this for another reason, and that is that Lucifer gets to see it with his own eyes, and it clearly affects him somehow. I don't think it's sinking in too deep just yet, but it definitely affects his decision making throughout the episode and we do get a callback to it at the very end. So uh, it's nice to see that Lucifer's not completely oblivious and ignorant to what is happening around him and he is realizing that consequence is a thing. So
0: we'll see where this goes, but first we go with Lucifer to the Magic Castle which is an actual location and he gets out of the car throws his keys and looks at Chloe and oh my god she is so beautiful
1: and you can see on his face that he's like jaw-dropping stunning woman and I get to be with her it's just that moment oh it's so great to finally see them together you know, it's, it's nice to be taunted for five seasons, but it's nice to also see the outcome and the stability of their relationship that they build up to over the many, many, many episodes.
0: And Lucifer shares his very childlike excitement for magic with Chloe, which I consider absolutely beautiful. And also, he is so literal in his appreciation when he, when he says, what can be more magical than magic? And he's right. What can be more magical than magic? I don't know. This type of magic creeps me out. I love magic because he is right. He is right when he says magic is skill, cunning, deception, all without ever actually telling a lie. He would make a great magician himself, but he doesn't want to know how it works, so he can't be a magician.
1: He is definitely on point there. Personally, I do not love this kind of magic because it just makes me really uncomfortable. I enjoy mind tricks and illusions, which is something that he takes takes a stab at later on but let me just mention one name and that is Darren Brown. I enjoyed this kind of quotation mark magic better than the sewing you in a half kind of magic because that's just so cringy and uncomfortable for me that I can't actually look at that.
0: Everything is just illusion. I, I prefer the technical part of like the, the the card magic. The card magic to me is amazing.
1: Card magic is cool but I think that this kind of really well describes our personalities. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Potentially Also I must say I am completely with Chloe I'm always wondering How did it work? How did he do this? I'm always trying to figure it out Never over the top Like I would never Spend actual time To figure out a trick But asking the questions And wondering How did it work? Is part of the fun for me And not destroying the fun Like it is apparently for Lucifer Yeah
1: Yeah I kind of really like that he takes her out for the last night of wonder because the truth is he is, as he describes himself, a wonder seeker. He's always done that. He's always traveled around to see things and everything so the idea of him being all-knowing and all-present I think it terrifies him.
0: And she points him out. She points it out exactly like, hey, I see what you're doing and this is very sweet. It is. Like, she understands him. She gets him and she also tries to let him be himself. We're gonna talk a bit about Chloe being the detective through and through at a later point in the episode. I also feel that it is very poetic. That Lucifer, who basically got his legacy handed down from his father, is now taking Chloe to see a show where a legacy is being handed over. Like, big fan of parallels, especially then later on in the episode
1: where you're not worth your father's legacy, blah, blah, blah. He is a dramatic bitch, uh, nothing else, Lucifer.
0: Yeah. It is parallels and we love parallels. He knows how to
1: put on a show and how to, create, how to create worlds and stories around him. Yeah, and why not? It's more
0: fun. So we get into the actual show. He shares a lot of stories. If you want more on the background of the names being dropped, go to the bonus. Listen to five hours of me talking about magic and magic names.
1: Uh, the sad part is that it's not that much of an exaggeration. <laughs> I mean, happy part. We
0: get the actual magic show happening. We step the sabers into the box Lucifer is so into this like he flinches with every single saber
1: I did too but in in, in the other way
0: I find it so hilarious I don't wanna
1: I don't wanna look at it I don't wanna I'm with with Chloe it's
0: like instantly okay there's a compartment maybe they retract or something like I'm with Chloe but I still enjoy it so I'm, I'm the perfect mixture between the two of them
1: I get that like my approach is more like oh no somebody's gonna get murdered this is literally my brain goes directly to but what if somebody fucked with the trick
0: yeah but the person in the box is not the one getting murdered it's the one in the sarcophagus it opens he drops down and he dead and Lucifer starts clapping which fucking broke me I laughed so hard at that
1: I got very confused at this point because the dude actually looks like the original Magnar, which after the title card, when we actually look at the body and then we realize that that Magnar, original Magnar, is still in the box. Because he's in the box, but... (laughs) they take him out and they look identical and I don't really understand the trick do they have to go through a face changing surgery or makeup so if the if the little dude of a sorry you're right
0: no but you have like face prosthetics and maybe it's
1: like a Mrs. Doubtfire situation where you have a full face mask but like if you do that like do you always have to perform in that makeup so do they all do that or do you eventually change your own appearance
0: for this trick
1: yes oh have
0: you never watched prestige with christian bale and hugh jackman no no i haven't i know
1: somebody who wouldn't stop talking about it on stage
0: people if you like weird shit like this do watch the prestige and if you've watched it write me an email don't send it to vero don't spoiler her write to me and we're gonna talk about it
1: okay anyway this confused me endlessly so i just stopped focusing on anything else except for the fact That we have the dead dude, we get a title card, and we get to see Ella again. That's like pretty much everything that happens important to me.
0: I love that we now have a closed room mystery. Even before it gets mentioned in the show, I realized everyone is in the same room. So the murderer has to be one of them. So I absolutely love it. But also, Ella shares a very important piece of information with us, which is the timeline. Six weeks. It's been six weeks. What did they do for six weeks?
1: They went on holidays. I'd say they'd spent about four of those weeks fucking.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, uh, making love.
0: This is a question that I would either want to ask Tom Ellis or Lauren German. What did Chloe and Lucifer do in the six weeks between season five and season six?
1: So there is a lot to unpack actually like when we kind of move when I move away from the fact that the dudes look exactly the same. First of all, I want to point out the camera work and the directing, because that's been happening ever since they entered the haunted house. Oh, sorry. Magic house. Magic. Same thing to me. Um, We get these kind of quick movements of the camera that give us the illusion that it's one shot. And that keeps happening throughout the episode, but only when we're in the magic house, which makes it. House of Magic, Magic Castle, all these things. It's just, you know... It's the name! Yeah, exactly. It's the name. I completely know. Um, It's just... I just want to point out this type of camera work and and direction... I'm really glad to see that it was Kevin who actually directed this because it's incredible and it, it puts us into the scene in a completely different way than if you then go to the regular kind of a directing that we have when we are at Linda's. It made me really, really happy. It's a
0: really nice dichotomy to have, okay, this is very different than the other one. Like both parts, both main parts of this episode have a very different feel to it because of that. And that is well done. Yeah. So I wanted to point that out. The last thing... We learn in the scene is that. Dan's friend is apparently now working at the precinct and a sceptical, Lina, sceptical.
1: I mean, he doesn't seem like a complete asshole. At this moment, I was just glad that Carol is appreciating the fact that Ella is the one who solves about 95% of all the cases at all times. Which is more than either Chloe or Dan ever did. Exactly. So uh, that deserves pointing out and, you know appreciation station.
0: yeah but you remember who the last person that appreciated ella <laughs> no, was
1: i don't because i live in denial
0: exactly so skepticalina lena skeptical we'll see how it goes but before we have to continue seeing how it goes we go to our other main plot of this episode and that is
1: everything that happens at linda's exactly so we start off this scene with a song called Bad Decisions by Girlhood nice
0: title I assume you enjoyed that title as much as you enjoyed all the puns in this and the following Linda
1: scenes oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and I am very close to go out there and try to figure out the recipe for Devil's Whiskers because I just love random fucking cocktails it just makes me so happy so yeah if I won't be able to find it I will definitely ask
0: yes this was a question I wanted to ask you if you knew what Satan's Whiskers I think it was called It's Satan's Whiskers and Deviled Eggs.
1: I I wrote down Devil's Whiskers, so uh, it could have been Satan's. No worries,
0: you can look it up. I wanted to ask you if you knew what this was for a cocktail, and if not, then we definitely have to ask this.
1: I don't have much on
0: this first Linda scene, except the fact that I absolutely love the fact that Amenadiel is willing to play Wing Taxi to take them down to hell. And I love that Linda is asking so many questions that nobody is answering.
1: Yep and she's asking the right questions as well. It's really nice to see Maeve together and being really, really happy with each other. Even though, obviously, they are in denial about a lot of questions that Linda is bringing up but it's really really nice that they really 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 clearly are happy and I had a realization in this scene for a first while we had Eve around mainly in season 4 if I remember correctly she would kind of color code herself and I believe we've talked about the colors I think that she was always wearing white or red.
0: In the beginning there's a lot of white then it switches over to red and then it ends with black
1: yeah so we since she's gotten back she was wearing her ninja clothes for the bounty hunting but it feels like she is kind of abandoning that sort of a symbolism in the the color over her dress It feels like this is the first time I've seen her in white ever since like episode 2, episode 4, season 4, since the beginning.
0: Also, she isn't as virginal white in this outfit as she was in the dress she was wearing the last time.
1: Exactly. So I just wanted to bring this back to our attention to kind of see where this is going because I am pretty convinced. Eve's fashion watch is back on track
0: and we'll see... What happens?
1: So uh, that is me on this scene because we get more of uh, this situation very, very soon.
0: But first we have to go back to the Magic Castle. And the most important thing is Ella is feeling that there's nobody on the throne. So if nothing else, this should be reason enough for Lucifer to get his fucking butt moving and put it on the throne. So for me in this scene, mostly Carol seems out of his depth. Keaton is a fucking creeper. Chloe can't not be a detective. And bottom line for this evening to me is happy Chloe, unhappy Lucifer. Let's go into the interviews. So that that is what is happening here.
1: Yeah. Also the fact that Chloe is just, you know, she doesn't even try that hard to, to get the dude to spill. It's just uh, little detail information. Uh, you know, it's just enjoyable to watch her in her element. She
0: is a natural talent in this. She is the detective too her core which is also what I said last season why I was so apprehensive of her just giving up her career for Lucifer because this is not just a job this is part of her personality as Linda also pointed out but we will see how it goes in those interviews as skeptical as I am for Carol I also feel terrible for him because interviewing Chloe is already bad enough for him. But him having to interview Lucifer without any foreknowledge of Lucifer is so bad and it's so obvious where this is leading up to. But it's just like, oh my god, Carol, you
1: poor man, you. Same. Uh, By the way, there is a song underneath this. I haven't managed to find the song, unfortunately. I'm pretty sure... God, I should have written it down. It has something to do with the devil, the lyrics. Unfortunately, there have been some issues with Spotify, so I can't... I don't have a Spotify premium account anymore, so I can't look through the Spotify as thoroughly as I normally do, but I will try to find it regardless somehow. And hopefully it's gonna surface at some stage, because unfortunately at the website it is named, but it does not exist. None of the links work. I couldn't find it anywhere. So fingers crossed.
0: Also, at the end of this podcast, we will put a comprehensive song list on our Patreon page, accessible for everyone, so that you can create your own song list without having to rely on shitty corporations like Spotify.
1: Exactly. I already started on that. And it's going to be a full list. It's not going to be just the Spotify songs. It's going to include all our YouTube songs as well. A full
0: comprehensive list of all the songs that we have figured out, documented, mentioned throughout this podcast but obviously we're gonna wait until we're done with the coverage of the show and then you're gonna get it all
1: okay and uh big thanks and shout out to leslie for actually poking us into the direction because we should have thought of that way earlier
0: yeah it was very obvious and thank you for the very much needed hey where do i listen to this if i don't want to support spotify like duh so we're on it we're getting there So Lucifer now is suspect number one and the only way to not be suspect number one, of course, is to be all honest and oversharing about, again, poor Officer Diggs. I feel so sorry for that man. Yes, he's a fucking corrupt, bribeable cop. But I also feel sorry for him. Like, he's no Malcolm. Of course. I still feel for him, even though he is not a good cop. He's not one of the good guys. But as much as we know about him, he also isn't a complete asshole. But what really got me in this part of the scene is Chloe always being creepy in the background to listen in. (laughs) Yeah. And... Seriously, Lauren German kills this in the entire episode. Her sneaking in the background, her hanging in the background, her peeking around a corner. I lost my shit so many times in this episode just because of her body language and facial acting. She is incredible, yeah. And I love that she got the chance to be playful. Because we rarely have the chance to see a playful Chloe. But now that she isn't the actual detective, but she really wants to be a detective, she gets to be a bit silly, for lack of a better word, with it. And this is so fun to watch. This is so entertaining. So yay, thank you. Thank you, Mike Costa. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, Lauren, too. All of this. This is just perfect.
1: We get to see, as you said, Chloe jumping on any excuse to keep working the case and figuring it up. She is literally making up excuses, which is unlike her. She's making up excuses, claiming that Carol isn't good enough detective to be able to figure this out. But we also get that jab at Mentalists by Lucifer, which I'm like exact opposite to Lucifer because I love that so much more. We go back
0: into the amazing storyline unfolding at Linda's and wow. Linda really did go above and beyond this evening. I love the tiny deviled eggs where she did the faces on the eggs. So even though I'm not a big fan of the puns the decoration, like she has a feather boa lying on the table. I have the same one. So
1: it (laughs) just
0: everything is so perfect and I love it so much because she went all out for her best friend and her girlfriend. And this is what being supportive is to me so i love linda in this moment
1: linda is kind of poking around in that relationship of theirs and rightfully so on one hand yes rightfully so on the other hand i was watching this and i was slightly worried for them because it's like just you're supposed to be in love and solid and and like don't just start fighting and break up But they're not
0: communicating, which is the problem. Vero, communication. You remember our fights about communication and we're not even in love. But with Eve having such curious ideas about what she's going to do in hell with the social calendar and everything, it was like oh dear they never talked and then it made sense to me what linda was like poking at because she could tell tension and she is like me if there's tension talk about pok, it pok,
1: pok, 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 because pok.
0: communication is knowledge and in knowledge there is power and once we have the power we can actually do something about it
1: But you already now, even before the actual reveal of I don't actually want to go to hell, which is going to happen later, already now you get to see that Mace is very reluctant of actually going to hell and Eve is very reluctant to thinking about what she's going to be doing there. So not only they didn't talk to each other, but they didn't actually admit any of these things to themselves and thought about it themselves. So kudos kudos to linda i actually at this point was like oh is linda doing this on purpose oh of course she is and amenadiel
0: notices that she's doing it on purpose and he is desperately trying to relieve the tension and this is the classic case of best amenadiel possible his heart is in the right place but he is a tiny dum-dum because this is actually important, but he is so earnest and honest in this that he shares the most embarrassing thing he can tell Mays, which is that he is going to the police academy. And is actually looking at him and mouthing thank you at him tells me she is more aware of where the tension comes from in this moment and she knows that Amenadiel did this deliberately to relieve the tension and this shows me a growth in their friendship that was already shown in small parts like when Amenadiel and May sit in Lux and he talks to her before she has like the full, full realization and she cries and leans her head on his arm Like they have really been growing this beautiful friendship but this so much nonverbal and subverbal communication is happening in between those two. It just made me extremely happy.
1: Look at that. I completely missed that. Thanks for pointing that out. I did not notice. I thought that she was saying thank you for the information that she can torture him about. If she had said it in a normal volume,
0: yes, but she says it under her breath, looking at him and like saying very quietly, like, thank you. And she mostly, you can see her mouth fit. And so it's like, Okay. I'm
1: not doubting it's not there, but I completely missed that.
0: But all in all, the tensions are rising. We have to keep up the tension. So we go back into the Magic Castle.
1: And we are talking to Erika, who is so smart. And I actually really, really love her as a character. Yes. And...
0: I don't have much on those interviews, I have to say. Like, Chloe keeps stalking everything. Ella mentions Forensicon, which I think we have heard before, and I still say it, this is something I would love to go to.
1: Mm-hmm. Lucifer calls Carol, Carol, and acts very surprised when Chloe corrects him and says, It's Carol. And now we get Chloe getting a little obsessive. It's just getting slightly, slightly annoying at this point. But, you know, not enough. For me to actually dislike her, but it's getting a little bit too much for the episode because now she's actively trying to say that Carol is not good at his job and blame that on the fact that she wants to keep solving the case. Because I don't believe that Carol believes that Erica is the killer.
0: And we get confirmation on that later on that he does not believe that. But before we get there, we have a conversation between Lucifer and Ella about what God is and stands for and what he means and she points out something that should have been kind of obvious I feel to Lucifer which is that supposedly God loves every human equally and this is the first time this gets mentioned and of course we come back to this at the end of the episode but this is not going to work for Lucifer. This is very, very obvious to me that this is going to be a huge issue. And I agree with him because to me, people are different. Everyone is deserving of the same chances and, and opportunities and everything. But I would not be able to appreciate every person the same. If you are a horrible shitstin of a person that hurts others, no, I, I will not treat you and... Love you the same as someone who is decent and goes out of their way to make life better for everyone around them. Like, no. Just no. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm not gonna completely disagree with you on that one.
0: (laughs) We'll see where this ends up. But this is where the realization gets started in Lucifer.
1: But before... Ella kind of gets into the mix. Lucifer and Chloe, as you mentioned, have this conversation where we've talked about Chloe being obsessed and everything. It's really interesting to me that she turns the entire reasonings about postponement and stuff like that on its head and she claims it's all on Lucifer. She's not wrong because you know, Lucifer also has his reasons why he's hesitant to take the throne, but she doesn't want him to do that either. So if it's kind of like, oh, but no, it's you. While also, it's, you need to admit to yourself, Chloe, that it's also yourself. So that was a little moment that I was like, hmm, fun. Now Chloe is in denial. That's been a minute since that happened. And then... Ella lets something drop, and that is the fact that over the last six weeks, she has developed a thing for Carol.
0: Oh god, I completely forgot that. Yes, yes, I forgot that. She says she does not have a thing for Carol. Yes,
1: she says that, exactly. Without anybody asking about him.
0: She does not have a thing for him. I'm with her, no.
1: Okay, well, to me at this moment, Carol especially with what he's about to do. Um, it feels like he might not be a psycho-terrible serial killer, fingers crossed. But we'll see. We'll see. There are reservations. You know, he comes recommended by Dan. He seems to be a good bean.
0: The recommendation by Dan is the only thing that makes me not hate him instantly, completely. But otherwise, he has so much standing against him, basically. So I was extremely skeptical throughout the entire episode.
1: That's fair enough. And I'm not completely, you know, uh, disagreeing with you there. But leaving this scene behind, we get to the... (laughs) climax of this situation with Linda and Maeve and in the background we get a song called Darling by Child
0: and speaking of climax we have a random reference here in a story that Amenadiel is sharing which is that Hanjobadiel is also known as the angel of giving and I'm just like really (laughs) <laughs> so, dear listeners, I don't know how many of our innuendos and double entendres and everything actually make it into the episode, but this entire recording, from our technical issues <laughs> to our devil segment to our newly recorded intro, everything has been innuendo esque. So now having Handjoba Deal being the angel of giving was just like the
1: <sighs> really, really. So what actually happens, though, in this scene and by this remark is that I unfortunately have to say, Lena, you were right. It's the least (laughs) favorite thing that I get to say on this podcast. But by the fact that Amenadiel talks about the plumbing and the plumbing bill connected to Linda and then they share the bill means that chances are Ames actually lives there, which I don't like, but I mean, I guess. Congrats, you win. Also, it means Angel's poop. Also, it means Angel's poop. That's another one. So I'm double right. I hate this scene so much. I mean, you were right, Lena. Congratulations. Congratulations,
0: you're number one. Sorry, no, uh, I've, I've, I've watched too much Drag Race. Yes, I was right. And it is joyful,
1: joyful, joyful. I'm glad you feel good about yourself. Always.
0: This scene is absolute perfection. I love this scene so much. I think this might be one of my favorite moments in the entire show. Because the tension building in the previous scenes was great. The tension building in this scene... With Linda now being... She's like a dog with a bone. She's mean in what she is now poking at. Like She knows this is a sore subject and she doesn't let it go. But it all climaxes into this honest confession on both mazes and Eve's side. And then we have the accidental engagement and all this joy... And the acknowledgement by Ames that Linda did right, that she knew what she was doing, and that this, that the end is why she was doing all this. So. I'm going to let you talk about all of this in in detail, but the entire scene, like from the beginning of Linda not letting it go, the setup up to this way, how it grows, climaxes and gets wrapped up. This is one of my all-time favorite scenes, I think, in the show, because this is five minutes or something, and it's amazing.
1: It doesn't feel that long. I don't have that many more on this scene, but I just love how Linda is kind of like smugly smiling after they realize both Mace and Eve that neither of them wants to actually go to hell. And they're doing it because they're trying to support the other one or make the other one happy. Which on one hand is actually really, really beautiful because they love each other so much that they're willing to give up everything, their life on earth and everything, to make the other person happy. But, you know, luckily we have Linda to point out and to poke at and everything and this to get them to actually say these things out loud. Communicate! Okay, okay. Communication is a vital part of a relationship, any relationship. We know that. We claim that and we try to live by it.
0: Yeah. Also, I need to correct myself. It's just over two minutes. Oh, ah. I can't Still. do math. <laughs> you keep in mind the scene also has the Hanjoba deal part. True, true, true.
1: And we end this scene with the engagement, with the accidental engagement, as you called it. It's so perfect. It's just the best. I would marry you tomorrow. Okay. Well, not tomorrow, but yes. Oh. I mean, obviously, Eve needs some sort of an event. She's like she's like David. She deserves a huge, beautiful wedding where someone
0: marries her for herself and not to be created to be someone's side piece or to be tempted away anywhere.
1: Exactly. I'm gonna... And this is not a spoiler for you anymore, luckily, because you are that far on Schitt's Creek. She is like David in Schitt's Creek. David Rose. She doesn't need a wedding but she fucking deserves it yeah after all the shitty boyfriends that she had exactly no everything that happened to her in her life she was never herself and now we can go back to the case and to the house of magic or magic castle or whatever you want to call it
0: this is the moment after half an hour where my skepticism of carol starts to subside because he is good at his job And he is secure enough in himself to ask for Chloe's input. And I appreciate that in people who know they are good at what they do but that it is no weakness to use all the tools and inputs and information at your disposal. So this is a big
1: plus on Carol. And not just for you I think this is a big step in the right direction for the relationship of Carol and Chloe as well. Because the fact that she didn't trust him the entire time and when he comes to her asking for help you can see that she's like wait wait a second no man in history actually asked me for help what is happening oh you know another parallel between magic being the boys club and police being a boys club and having a woman be heard at all is you know unexpected course of events. So the way Carol manages to listen to Erica and take her information in and use it, and the same way that he listens to Chloe and asks her for help, it's beautiful to see that there are non-toxic white male out there.
0: Of course, I would not be me if I didn't find something to complain about, and that is... Why are they having this conversation in the middle of the room where everybody can listen in? Ah, right. So that this can now happen what now happens, which is the son taking Chloe at knife point.
1: In all fairness, I'm just going to put it out there, they lowered their voices and they walked away a little bit. No, 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 no. There's a one simple reason
0: why I'm not letting this stand. Chloe has been listening in to every conversation the entire time. She knows exactly that it is impossible to have a conversation in the same room without others not being able to overhear. So I am gonna claim that this is deliberate on Chloe's part because she knew that she had the necklace and she wanted to goad the perp into doing something stupid.
1: Hmm, hmm. Interesting. That seems like a very deep reasoning. I don't think so. I don't think that she was this complicated her plan would be this complicated I think that it formed when he grabbed her luckily he grabbed actually Chloe and not anybody else well do you grab the manly
0: policeman or the petite blonde
1: yeah that's fair enough I mean it could be yours, actually. When you when you put it that way, she could have counted on that. But it didn't necessarily have to happen that way. She didn't know who it was and stuff like that. So I feel like for Chloe, there was just too many unknown things in that equation. She is super cop. Don't forget, she is super cop. That's true. So she is at knife point. She is a night pho- n- Night pho-
0: she is at knife point or knife edge more accurately and she is just keeping him talking she is asking questions she is getting all the confession that we need and it was so obvious what she was doing but i loved it so much because she is so good at what she does I'm gonna miss Chloe being a detective like it made sense in this episode how they give us a case a locked room case that she can be a bit more detective even without being the detective So all of that made sense. Like in the end of the last season, we had the whole I need the detective one last time to figure all of this out. Like We have found ways to have her be the detective without her being part of the police force. But this will not continue to be a a, a possibility. So I'm curious how it's going to be because somehow it's going to keep doing.
1: And only for another nine episodes, maybe, maybe. There are only nine more episodes. So we'll see how it goes. (laughs) My, My heart.
0: So she is getting all the information and because she seems to be in danger, Lucifer gets emotionally involved. Of course he is. And he starts stepping closer so that he can potentially intervene and he gets worked up and he tells the son that he is not worthy of his father's legacy. And this is one of the cases of Lucifer telling someone else something that a moment later on he will realize he actually was saying to himself. Yep. And I love how they do it and we address it later in the episode that chloe was aware that this is something that is in him and i really appreciate that we do not anymore now struggle with the relationship but they know each other and they are aware of each other's like issues and everything so the whole you're not worthy of your father's legacy was important to be verbalized And I really love what they're doing with it throughout this episode to the very end. And I'm curious where it's going to go. Because we had last season the whole I'm not worthy of Chloe's love. Which they talked very emotionally about. (laughs) And now it's the not worthy of my father's legacy. So this entire issue of self-worth or being worthy of others, is probably going to be one big thing that we need to resolve somehow in this season. And I'm curious how
1: they're going to do it, because it's not easy to fix your own self-worth. Indeed. And another thing I noticed in this moment was that Carol is being very good and very decisive in this moment. He's being very authoritative, which I really, really liked. He wasn't just leaving Chloe to deal with the situation, kind of saying, uh, you know, she knows what she's doing. He let her do that while also doing his part and making sure that she gets out of this hostage situation situation unharmed as well as he could anyway but unfortunately for him lucifer has brought up this since like scene one he kept talking about secret passages and carol
0: said that they talked to the people in the house that there are no secret passageways so he was under the false assumption that there are none he checked and he got lied to
1: Well, the question is, did he get lied to or did the other people just don't know because the son has grown up there and clearly knew the place better than anybody else? So chances are the other people just didn't know it was real. Anyway, turns out Lucifer was right all along, as he should be since he's been a member of this club since it was established in 1963. Exactly. January 2nd, if you want to know more, listen to
0: The Devils in the Details. I haven't plucked the bonus segments this often in ever, I think.
1: (laughs) Because it's just related to so many things. But Lucifer obviously was right. I am surprised that he didn't know exactly where they are this way. Because he didn't want to know. That's the only reason. He didn't want to know. That is such a good point. Okay, so now everything is explained. We know why the sun knew, we know why Lucifer didn't.
0: But now that he knows, he doesn't care, and he superhuman strengths this secret passageway
1: straight up open. He is definitely not waiting to find a secret lever. No. Pull the lever, Krog! Wrong lever! Sorry. He is his own lever. Oh, oh yeah, he. And what a lever. No! <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> Here we go again! he chases down into the narrow channel um wow sorry i don't know where that came from wow um i
1: mean that's what she said
0: (laughs) oh yeah that's also
1: true fuck oh yeah Um, yes that's also what she said (laughs) okay pull
0: yourself together we're nearly done here he goes into the secret pathway following chloe nearly runs into a suit of armor which I find very random but I still liked it and like the tension is building and we worry and then crash the dude gets punched through a door I think right I think it was through a wall I wasn't sure if it was a wall of a door, but through something. And I absolutely fucking love it. I, I was so confused the first time I saw it. I was like, what the fuck? And then she's standing there and you can see in her hand. All right. And then it all made sense. And you know what I love most? His reaction to all of this. He's like, so you weren't in any actual danger. You kept it. And he is just happy and relieved. There is no judgment. There is no, there's no blame. There's no anger. There's nothing negative. He is simply and purely happy that she is safe, was safe, has always been safe, and that she kicked ass. And I appreciate this so much, but they're still a fucking chaos couple.
1: That they are. But we transition quite nicely to the penthouse where we get a conversation between the two of them. And well, on one hand, I'm like, it's great that Chloe was able to save herself and everything. But also, are we just not gonna talk about the fact that she didn't even ask him and she just straight out stole it from his safe? And then we talk about it. Well, we don't really. We acknowledge it. Yeah, and she explains it. And she does have a pretty good explanation. But, you know, it just sounds like an interesting choice for Chloe to just take it without saying anything. But yeah, in fairness, she does give us a pretty good explanation.
0: And I love this because for five seasons... We have seen so many different layers of insecurity within Lucifer, but Chloe, for the most part, has been this stable, steadfast, strong rock in his life and in other people's lives. And sometimes they gave her death, but most of the time she was very Super Cop Chloe. And I love that we now get to see her layers of insecurities. She has been a cop for so long and so deeply that she now feels naked without her service weapon close to her. Because she has been in so many dangerous situations where having a gun was what saved her life. She has been so close with all of this celestial bullshit and still having a weapon, be it the gun or later with the celestial war, the necklace, saved her life. Also, Lucifer had to do some fucked up shit to save her life. So it makes sense she lost the father of her child it makes sense that she has a lot of insecurities she is unsure how the future is gonna unfold there is so much pushing in on chloe that i really appreciate that we now finally verbalize yo
1: she human the girl has also issues and it's okay it feels like she's been using her environment and people in her life like dan or lucifer as a sort of a shield and protection even though she and she had her own uh, gun and everything and it feels that by losing some of these things, she hasn't lost Lucifer but mainly by losing Dan and by losing her weapon and now being all alone to raise her kid and everything, it feels like it just brings out ho- her own v- vulnerability vulnerability <laughs> v- vulnerable- vulnerability That sounded right. And the fact that she is looking for a way to go back to that feeling that she used to have with all of these walls and and shields and protections around herself.
0: That is actually a really good point. She has been stripped of all her layers of security. Job, weapon, den, reality. And stability. The only thing that is left is Lucifer. And Lucifer needs to sort his own shit out.
1: (laughs) So... Wow, yeah, no, I love it, I love it. Yeah, it gives her a better reason, even better reason, but also the fact that she might not be aware of this specific reason, that it might be in the back of her mind. It can possibly cause some troubles in the future with this, because she might not be able to deal with it as well as she could if she could name it.
0: We'll see how it goes because usually Chloe pays attention to everything. And because Chloe pays attention to everything, she also heard the whole not worthy of your father's legacy part and she talks to Lucifer about it.
1: it's such a good moment of sharing feelings and fears and communication communication and so she
0: talks about this and he shares why he feels that and he shares the whole god has to love everyone equally which takes her a second to like follow up like yeah but you died for me that's the most like selfless thing you could do but lucifer is in love with chloe not in love with humanity lucifer is no castiel
1: <laughs> <laughs> well And with that, (laughs) we say thank you. No, no, no. (laughs) Forever. Uh, Now, no, we need to go back and... Because, you know, this episode kind of feels like it has like 15 different endings. This was the first one. This was the first one. This is Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Yes, this this episode is definitely Lord of the Rings. And we need to wrap up another ending and that is at Linda's house
0: which i am so appreciative that we get this because they could have they could have left it at the last scene of Linda's easily but i love this because this is the communication episode
1: we have deal and Linda cleaning up after the dinner party. And Amenadiel specifically calls Linda out on what she did during the dinner. He doesn't say she was wrong. He appreciates that she did a good job with, you know, Mace and Eve. But he asks her, do you think it was for your own benefit as well? Maybe just a little bit. And Linda, the amazing person that she is, she actually admits that. She realizes that she has been bored with human little problems Can you blame her? I mean, I can't. You can't blame her for anything. And, you know, it would actually kind of explain her approach to therapy and the little of what we've seen of her therapy sessions in the previous season. Because if she only deals with this mundane kind of a day-to-day little issues, you know, if she's struggling to pay attention to this, why would we be interested in that? So from one hand... It is completely understandable that she kind of wants to meddle in something a little bit bigger. But deal shows his growth all over again. And he starts talking about no problem is too small. Every small earthly issue, as tiny as it seems, is important. And they share this. They both have done big picture stuff now. For him, it, it's been a little bit longer time ago. So he had time to... See see his own perspective, find his own way to accept the tiny problems. But for her, it's very fresh. So understandably, she says, I'm not there yet.
0: Which also is very self-aware, and I appreciate that as well.
1: Exactly. So this is just such a beautiful moment between the two of them, because we get to see the different stages of acceptance.
0: And growth. And I really have to say, Amenadiel is getting so well at reading others and understanding them. So, Amenadiel's growth and path, mostly, I'm, I'm with you with everything you said. I wouldn't be me if I didn't have another point I can complain about. And that is the whole no good deed is too small. This is a nice sentiment but I don't like it. It's basically the if we all stopped using plastic straws we're all making an effort and creating an impact. No we're not. Even if none of us were using plastic straws we still need the big fucking corporations to change shit. We need the governments to change shit to actually have a relevant impact. And Amenadiel is a fucking angel. And I stand by my point, Amenadiel could do so much more good with what he is capable of than just being a beat cop. I get the sentiment. I get the message they're trying to deliver. I just don't agree with it. Yes, all of us should be decent and we all should try to do good deeds whenever we can. But when you have the chance to influence something on a big scale, then... We should do that.
1: So we get a lot of honesty running around and a lot of talking.
0: Communication episode. This is the communication episode.
1: Except, of course, for the last scene. I mean, they can't really communicate because they don't really know what to do. But welcome to the last scene. Um, It was starting in the penthouse. First moment to break our hearts is Lucifer looking at a picture and then sitting down the picture on his nightstand and flying away. And then we get to see what the picture is. And it's the fucking selfie from the Dan episode. So he actually has a picture of Daniel on his nightstand.
0: And he looks so sad when he looks at the picture. And then seeing what picture it is makes it so much worse. It is so
1: bad. To him, Dan's death is his fault. Because it was Michael's doing and Michael was doing it to get back on Lucifer. So in his twisted mind, it makes sense that it is Lucifer's fault and he can't do anything.
0: In a sense. Of course, it's technically, stupid.
1: But- technically yeah. it is. So
0: we go down to hell and now I want to raise an issue that has been pointed out to me.
1: I have an issue as well with this whole bit, but um, we'll see if it's the same thing. Okay. You go ahead. So Dan is being stuck
0: in hell, but he's not being tortured. That's what we learn here, right? And he says he hasn't been tortured. And that is my issue. How can that be?
1: Because it takes a minute for Lucifer to find out that Dan is in hell. So how come Dan hasn't been tortured at the beginning when he first got to hell? Is that the issue?
0: Exactly. And that is what Julie pointed out to me in a communication, which I very much appreciated because she didn't know that we were recording this episode today.
1: Ah, Ah, well, well done, Julie, because this is something that's been sitting in the back of my mind for a while now.
0: This is a timeline issue. Yeah,
1: we're gonna have to figure out... How does time work in hell, heaven and earth relating to each other? But either way, we know that time in hell runs quicker. So in theory, it would have taken, in Dan's perspective, it would have taken Lucifer maybe hundreds or thousands of years before Lucifer plugs him out of his loophole. So he would... No
0: No matter what time difference, it has to have been enough time for at least one hell loop, period.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So if he had been run through at least one of his hell loops before Lucifer installed purgatory, he should have a rough indication where his unconscious or subconscious guilt might stem from. Because this is basically what all these hell loops are Four, right? They give you a potential out if you only
1: would walk through the metaphorical door like Mr. Setout Bitch did. See, the question is, though, would he be in that very specific one? Because, as you just point- brought up Mr. Setout Bitch, his hello loop was his death. And not the actual, you know, moment of possible freedom that he eventually finds when Lucifer takes special interest in. I always
0: understood it as he had several layers of guilt to work through because he cheated people out of their money. He betrayed his sister. He did this. He did that. Like, he hurt so many people that he had a lot of guilt. And so, for example, remember the fucking professor that tried to poison Chloe? He didn't have the moment where he died. He had the moment that he he chose to save his work instead of a person. So, in my opinion, the easy visible guild is your first hell loop, just with Lucifer and the Uriel one. So, the first layer, the first loop is the obvious one.
1: And then you work your way within. basically, if you manage to work through one of
0: them, you get a new one. and then like you need it's like a video game. you need to beat all the levels.
1: It's more like uh, I imagine it more like um, Dante's inferno you know the the the, 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 rings, the rings of, of hell. hell. No,
0: it's like peeling onion. Because it
1: makes you cry? Because Lucifer calls... I-, I thought it was funny! That was a good one. That was a good one, actually. I give you that. But uh, what I wanted to say, when Lucifer brings Lee to the house, he says, this is the heart of your hell, or uh, of your hell loop. So essentially, you're making your way inwards, and when you f- once you find the middle, there should be a door.
0: That is the final door that you have to step through, basically.
1: Yeah. But either way, as you said, even if Dan has gone through a single loop
0: he should have some idea of any type of lingering guilt but he says he has zero guilt
1: he says ever since i got here you put me into this limbo so you know it it's just something that i agree with you this is something that has been rattling around my brain for a while you mean you agree with julie yes (laughs) yeah julie i agree with you you're right I don't think I realized it in the special, but ever since then, when we got to talk in detail about certain aspects of Mr. Sadout Bitch's hell and stuff like that, it just kind of creeped up on me. So I am curious and I want to ask about this for sure. Yeah,
0: and this is a question, in my opinion, that we would have to ask Joel For sure.
1: So anyway... Uh, If we accept what is happening now and that is the fact that Dan does not know where his guilt is coming from and it's some sort of a subconscious guilt. He asks it's obvious that he is frustrated and it's understandable that he is frustrated. But
0: also Lucifer has a point. This is the first purgatory ever. Nobody knows how this shit works.
1: (laughs) Also Lucifer has another great point and that is he literally stands for this. He says if I act against your wishes no matter how unconscious they are then that is the end of free will and he can't do that
0: especially if he is god and does it because then he basically would probably break the universe
1: yeah like he would defy himself he would probably break the universe it just would have so many consequences that we can't even begin to understand or guess So Dan needs to find a way from there by himself. However, how he's going to do that by being in the purgatory, I am not clear on.
0: Especially since he seems so adamant that he has no guilt. And here I say, if you are that adamant, then you are not looking. You know what? Lucifer should take Linda down to hell so that she can therapize Dan to figure out what he is in denial about and then he can ascend to heaven.
1: She has therapized the entire family except for Dan. So, you know, might as well. She talked
0: to Chloe. She talked to Trixie. She talked to Lucifer. She talked to Dad. She talked to Amenadiel. She talked to Maze, which is basically family. So, yeah, Dan is the last one. That is such a good point. Better do it now. Oh, my God. We just solved everything. In
1: conclusion. (laughs) Yeah. In conclusion of this, uh, Linda should therapize Dan.
0: Also, why was Dan never in therapy? Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Sorry.
1: Because his therapy was
0: improv. Oh right, right. Maybe oh maybe you should start an improv group with Balios and other demons and maybe that Oh god, imagine that would be so good. No no no. Okay, now I know how this works. He simply needs more than just Balios, because improv needs more than two people like you need an audience no you can you can do improv by yourself no you need people to play off to and everything so we need some more demons and we know that there are more like Dromos and everything I mean, we we've, we've met people demons so we need to establish a people demon improv troop group That helps Dan visualize and improvise through situations that then finally manifest his guilt. And then a magical door will appear on the improv stage. And he will walk through it pantomimically. A a viola will be playing
1: just for you and then he will pantomime his way through the door. Basically every actor's worst nightmare combination. Yes. Perfect. Amazing. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean it has to happen like that in hell. If it doesn't
0: happen like this we're gonna be extremely sad and disappointed.
1: But Dan instead of starting an improv group he lashes out at Lucifer which again understandable. He's been there for a very long time and he sends him away
0: and he tells him to not come back unless you have an actual plan because he also says that every time you come you give me hope and this is what hurts him so much and that is a thing if you are hopeless then you are truly without any hope and nothing can hurt you anymore because you are done there is no way out you will find a way to accept and arrange yourself with whatever purgatory or hell, huh, you're stuck in. But as long as there is a sliver of hope, people will strive to that. Though, of course, on the other hand, people claim that a sliver of hope is what keeps them going. And if you take hope completely away, then they just give up and die. But he can't because he's already in hell.
1: Well, I think there's many different points of view we could look at that, but... I will leave that for future episodes.
0: We'll see how it goes. I'm pretty sure this is not the last time we go down to hell in one capacity or the other.
1: Because what is going to happen next is that we see a flesh. thunderstorm.
0: There is a
1: yeah. There's there's a
0: there's bad weather coming. There's
1: thunder. Thunder.
0: Na na na
1: na 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 na. Thunder. <laughs> Sorry. Same, same girl. So yeah, we notice a thunder. That causes Belios to miss the ball once again. I mean, is it the thunder or is it just Balios being really, really bad at this?
0: <laughs> or both? both?
1: Porque que no los Aye. And of course Dan says, this never
0: happened before. Do you think it means something? Dun, dun, dun. And Balios, is the dumb demon that he is. Gives us the title draw, but doesn't mean anything because nothing cha- nothing ever changes around here. And I'm like, us Dan, dum-dums! If nothing ever changes, and this is the first time that lightning has struck or thunder has thundered or whatever, then of course it means something. You idiots! I'm so angry. <laughs> thunder. <laughs> so Thunder has thundered, and now
1: that gives us That gives us the last song of the episode, which is called Dirty Hands by Kendra Dantes.
0: We do see hands, but they're not dirty. We see one
1: hand, one dainty hand,
0: as the camera moves up. The throne of hell. And then the camera moves around the throne of hell. And we see one one hand over over the side's armrest. And we see the boot. I'm pretty sure I had exactly that pair of shoes when I was still strong in my golf face.
1: I'm pretty sure you have told us about this in the special.
0: Probably, but I saw those shoes and I was reminded once
1: again. But in this moment, my brain just goes into a frenzy of who is this? Who is this person? Is it a new sibling? Is it is it a, a new, is it a demon that's now claiming the throne now that Mace is not coming down to hell? Lucifer is not God yet and he hasn't changed the rules yet. So up to this point, only an angel
0: can sit on hell's throne. Well,
1: in that case, is it an angel? Is it a Lucifer from an alternative universe?
0: So either it's AU or it's an angel from this universe that we haven't met. Those are the only two options in my brain. Because Lucifer isn't God yet and he hasn't changed the rules yet, so no demon can sit on this throne yet.
1: Either way, imagination running wild for me. And with that, we close our episode.
0: I have so much to say to this first episode of our final season, as it as probably is very apparent in the length of this episode and the length of the bonus for this episode. <laughs> Lucifer, as a character, was so busy last season with making sure that he can be God, he never stopped to think about what that all would contain. I love that once again it is Ella who spells it out for him. Even though, given Linda's apparent obsession with celestial problems, one would expect her to go into more detail in her sessions with Lucifer. On that note, is Lucifer even going to therapy anymore? It has been quite a while since we saw him have a one-on-one session with Linda about his issues. Lucifer is very much in love with Chloe and he cares for a few selected humans. But all in all, his interest in humanity has been very hedonistic and not all that deep, I want to say. So let's see where this realization is going to lead him, given that he tends to make the worst conclusions instantly and foremost. Having Carol as the new lead detective makes a lot of narrative sense. Amenadiel is going to be needing quite a bit of time to go through the academy and all that. So... We did not have any other potential character to take over from both Chloe and Dan. He is also very obviously being pushed as Ella's new love interest. And while I do want her to be happy, I I honestly do want her to be happy. And Dan basically vouched for Carol. It feels forced to me on a certain level. And also I am still slightly skeptical. I absolutely love 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 that Maze and Eve are now accidentally engaged and I would not be surprised if it takes them like a week to actually do the planning and get married. I love their relationship but I do hope that in the future they will not need Linda's needling to be fully honest with each other. Then being stuck in a newly invented purgatory just for him of course sucks for him but also at least he's not actively getting tortured. I do not understand the mechanics of it. We went into this into quite some details. I'm pretty sure all of this is gonna be in the bonus. Souls are not aware that they're in the loop. Why isn't Lucifer giving him a non-torture loop? Hmm, that's a that's a good point. Because then he would not suffer the eternity. Because he would just reset, like the the classic go to bed and reset the next day loop. Like as much as I hate that movie, Fifty First Dates. You know where she in fifty first states she she resets every day, and so that seems kinder than what he is stuck in now. but I don't understand all of the mechanics. I
1: think the difference for that. That he needs him sentient, essentially. Is that the right word in the circumstances? He needs him aware so he can try to figure out how to get him out of there. We have seen
0: people being pulled out of the loop,
1: having conversations and then being back in the loop. So when
0: Lucifer can't be there, why not have him in a blissful loop? Is this simply not possible? Do the demons need to torture them for the loop to work? I have questions and no answers. But oh well. All in all, this was an amazing final season opener. All of our characters get some screen time, several important questions get raised, and of course, we get a proper tiny cliffhanger with the awesome golf boots on the throne of hell. And what more can I ask for? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can't but agree with you. It's a great way to open a season. We have a lot of repeated themes from the previous season, like Lucifer Chloe having soft doubt about worthiness and discussions about that. Then uh, we have some things that were expected to arise, like Lucy trying to figure out how to get done out of hell. We were waiting for that. And not to mention the fact that Ella still doesn't know what's up with the Celestials, so that is still on the table table and is staying with us but we also get some new things as you so nicely put them as you have so nicely put them into, into your own final thoughts. We finally get to see Mace and Eve as a couple and happy. And watching the dynamic between Carl and Ella. I know that you don't trust him. But remember, they've been working together for six weeks now.
0: You need to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because who's the new guy? We don't trust him.
1: Again, I can't do that because if by any chance we end up covering that, I want to be spoiler free. I know, but still, it's <laughs> Sorry, anyway, Carol and Ella to me are quite seamless because there is that time jump that we done and named, but also we get Ames and Linda and it's extremely enjoyable to see their growth as we've talked before. But the real showstopper comes in the shape of massive boots and fishnet stockings. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot podcast.com.
0: If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash taot podcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch, and hours of bonus content. Yes.
1: If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They
0: really help.
1: Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.